Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Casual Sports Fans. We are going to be previewing the 2021 fantasy football season. Sadly, we don't have Ben Gatowski with us today, but we have a great show planned for you today. So without further ado, let's roll the intro. start off with what we think the first round next year for fantasy football is going to look like and when we're talking we're mainly going to be talking about single point ppr and half point ppr but you know you just have to adjust when it comes to standards so evan what do you think the first couple of picks are going to look like this year looking at the first overall pick i think it has to be christian mccaffrey a lot of people forget what he can do because of his injuries this year but when he did play he put up big numbers even with mike davis there and a lot of people were worrying about mike davis stealing his carries after mike davis pretty solid season, but I think McCaffrey has to be number one pick with the volume he gets, the talent he has, and PPR, he's just a monster. Yeah, I mean, we saw that game against the Chiefs where he came back from injury, and he just lit it up. They did not put in Mike Davis pretty much at all, and they just let Christian McCaffrey do his thing against the Chiefs. So, I mean, do you think that people are still going to consider someone like Alan Kamara or Dalvin Cook? Or do you think it's going to be a pretty clear Chris McCaffrey's in a tier by himself? Or do you think it's going to be like a tier of those top three guys? I think it will be a tier of those top three guys. And I do think some people will take Kamara because, especially with the recency bias of his last game of the season, he won a lot of people with their fantasy championships. So if they have their chance to take him again, a lot of them will do that. But if you really look into who should be the pick, I think it has to be McCaffrey one in his, I wouldn't say his own tier. I also think Dalvin Cook and Kamara are somewhat worthy of a pick and should be the next two picks. But, yeah, I think those three are for sure the top three. And you could argue Saquon is in the group. We just don't know his injury problems and will they continue. We just don't know what the makeup of the Saints is really going to look like next oh, year. Yeah. I mean, does it change? So, for example, I had Alan Kamara in one of my league's half-point PPR. He was great. But when Taysom Hill was in the game, he had very little to no fantasy production at all. I actually would have been better off playing Latavius Murray. I had him as a handcuff, of course. Um, so, like, if it's James Winston or Taysom Hill or just someone else completely, like, I'm sorry, if I have a top three pick, I'm not sure if I really... I know the consensus might put Alan Kamara there just because of how talented he is. He's on a big contract, you know. I mean, they clearly want to get him the ball. You know, and they love giving it to him near the red zone. He gets a ton of receptions. But, like, is he really worth a top three pick ahead of someone like even Derrick Henry or maybe going to the next tier of even wide receivers like Devontae Adams, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor? Like, can you really draft him over that? Like, how safe is he? Um, I think with Taysom Hill at quarterback, I don't think so. Because with Taysom Hill, he has that running ability, and especially in the red zone. Taysom Hill had a bunch of rushing touchdowns. And what makes Kamara such a great fantasy option is those touchdowns. And I talk a lot about touchdown regression, which is a thing. And Kamara's pretty consistent with his touchdowns. So with Taysom Hill in, those had a major drop. So I think if Taysom Hill's quarterback, I think his value drops a lot. And even with James Winston in, I think it drops from the season. Would I take him over a Derrick Henry in PPR with probably James Winston quarterback? I think I would with Taysom Hill. I'd have to rethink that. Maybe Devontae and Derrick Henry are in the same tier, maybe over him. I agree with that. I mean, I think with Jameis Winston at quarterback, I'd be willing to take Kamara that high just because I know the value's there. But, like, with Taysom Hill, we clearly saw that Alvin Kamara did not get the ball whatsoever, yeah. reception-wise, and he would just have to rely on getting it near the red zone, but the Saints didn't actually score that many points, and when they were there, they gave it to Latavius Murray. 
I kind of agree with that statement. If it's Jameis Winston, I like it. If it's Taysom Hill, we don't. This is just part of like what we don't know that far away from the season. And you know, for those of you who have listened to my opinions on Dalvin Cook before, you know that I've hated him. I had him the year after he tore his ACL, and he played only in like a few games. And when he did, he would be limited, or he would literally be listed as active but wouldn't actually play like what Leonard Fournette did one time this season so he left me with a really bad taste in my mouth so the past couple years I just have not drafted Dalvin Cook at all and said that he was injury prone at this point he has gone from his injuries he's on a huge contract and he's the focal point of the offense I know Justin Jefferson's up and coming Adam Thielen's gonna still get his but the offense is centered around him and he has big uh, big game ability like he can get you four touchdowns if it comes down to it so I'm totally okay with drafting Dalvin Cook second overall behind Christian McCaffrey this year in any format yeah I'd agree 100% Andrew has never been a huge Dalvin Cook guy until I guess around now and I've always been a yeah. big Dalvin guy so I think Dalvin too is a pretty clear-cut pick so going into let's say the next three guys I think so these like are Derek Henry Jonathan Derek Henry, Taylor. Saquon Barkley and Devonta Adams oh. how would you rank them and do you, what do you think the wide receiver positional value, like how does that affect this argument too? Okay, so what I, so the interesting thing is that after this year, I was kind of left with a taste in my mouth of, hey, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't just prioritize the running back position in the first round. And it's okay to get an elite, consistent receiver on a good offense. And, you know, it's okay to draft Devontae Adams over some of these guys. But then what I kind of remembered is that the bust rate for running backs this year was astronomical. I mean, running backs had about, like, what, 20 30% bust rate last uh, the previous season. But this season, they were upwards of, like, 70% if you're drafting a running back in the early rounds. And a lot of that was due to injury, especially. Like, there weren't as many, you know, this guy just did not get the production that he should have besides like a Kenyon Drake type thing. Or maybe I guess Le'Veon Bell because people were drafting him in late third, Yeah, and then like a letter for Nep. That was another just weird situation we well, couldn't yeah, predict. his leaving the team, going to another team where it was by committee. But what's interesting about like Derrick Henry is that I've drafted him three out of the four years he's been in the NFL, I think. I love him. I mean, this is like my guy. I'm kind of worried about drafting him this year, though. I mean, he's kind of due for a big injury. I've heard this around. Like, I'm definitely not the first person to say this, and I don't want to take credit for that opinion. But, like, he has, like, 350 touches a season, something ridiculous like that. The amount of times that he just touches the ball and just absolutely get pummeled by eight guys in the box, like, is he due for a big injury? And can you, like draft someone like Devontae Adams over him because of it? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think there could be a big injury hand, especially since I'm pretty sure he's going into your age 28, which... I mean, he didn't get a lot of... He didn't get a lot of touches early in his career because he was behind DeMarco Murray. Yeah, he didn't get too many touches early in his career, but age is still going to be a major factor when it comes to running back, especially by your 28-29 season. There's going to be some regression. Derrick Henry is different just because of his pure size and strength. So maybe... He'll just get past the age bug. There have we have seen some really solid running backs get through it, but there is some risk that goes into it. And shaping up his risk versus Saquon's risk, a lot of people might just go the, go with the safer route and go with a guy like Devonta Adams, where you know where his production is going to be. 
and you know what type of numbers he's going to be putting up. Yeah, I think that there are three kind of ways that you can look at this group. You can either go, listen, I'm going to go with the safe option because Devontae, his only risk is that he does sustain an injury because occasionally he'll get a turf toe or like a concussion. I mean, that hit that he took in the NFC Championship, I thought he was going to be out for the game. I mean, that was brutal. If that was in college, the dude would have been thrown out immediately. It was leading yeah. with the head onto the head. It made me go just oof. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot worse injuries, of course, because he didn't get hurt from that. But you, you know what I mean. You can either say, listen, I'm going to go with Devontae Adams ahead of Henry and Saquon. Or you can say, listen, Henry because of his production, then Adams, and then Saquon. Or you can go Henry, Saquon, Adams because I'm the running back guy and I really like it. But I don't think right now you can really put Saquon ahead of Henry just because you know the Titans you know, they still have Tannehill. They still have Henry. They still have A.J. Brown. I mean, they're going to – is A.J. Brown a free agent? A.J. Brown is not a free agent, but Corey James is a free okay. agent, and I think he likely but the point leaves. is, you know but yeah, the AJ Titans Brown's are going to have a good, competent offense that are going to score a good amount of points next year, despite their shortcomings in the playoffs this year. And with – and with, like – I know, like, you can't... We were just talking about how you got to ignore injuries with Saquon, but, like, on top of that, the offense itself just isn't good. I know the Steelers were really good in the first half of the year, their defense-wise, especially run defense, but, like, Saquon had, what, negative eight yards? I think at that point, you can't have Saquon over Henry, but I'm okay if you put, like, Adams ahead of Henry or Adams behind Saquon. Like, how do you rank those guys and um, stuff? I think it's pretty tough, personally. I might... At the moment, I would have Henry at the top of the group, and then I would go Saquon, then Devontae, because I You just, like the running backs. I like running backs in the first round. There are injury risks, but I think going into it, I disagree with some of your points. I think the Giants' O-line is, has improved a lot oh, yeah, over true. this last year, and Andrew Thomas was pretty bad at the beginning of the year. He's improving. They might grab another offensive lineman in free agency in the draft, and if, when you look at the running backs for the Giants, they were pretty solid in their time. So I think with what those running backs like Wayne Gall and Devonta Freeman, Deion Lewis were doing, put Saquon into that role, I think he could really just play at a very, very high level. And when he was healthy, he's always played at that high level, even with horrible offensive lines and horrible offenses. And he's a younger player. He's more talented, just about the injury bug. And with both players, I think there's a somewhat injury risk. But for me, I'd have to take... Henry slightly because Saquon has had more injuries in his career. That's true. I mean, all three of these guys have potential to have an injury this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Devontae Adams, we both drafted him last year when he just had a disappointing year because even when he was on the field, he was inconsistent. But the year before, he didn't have a single game below 16 PPR fantasy points. And that's ridiculous. That's consistency. So, I mean, I think part of it just goes into how much do you prioritize the running back position? Like, you need to really sit yourself down and think about that and just, it's a crapshoot. Like, which of these three players do you genuinely believe is going to have the best season? Because it could be very well that Saquon just has the outright best season by far because of how he's utilized in the run and the pass game and his pure talent. So, I think with this group of guys, you just go, what position, how much do I care about drafting running back in the first round, and who do I genuinely believe is going to be the best player? I think that's how you think about it. Also, yeah, one last thing to put on before we switch off. I think Lily Gruels is also important if you're playing in a standard yes. league. Grab Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's a standard beast. You're going to want him, and you're going to need him in your league. For sure. And also Devonta Adams and PPR. 
is a much better player. He's a PPR beast as well. So you got to think about that. In your I mean, Adams well. had 18 touchdowns this year. So I mean, yeah, that, yeah. And standard, that goes he's for both. great too. But <laughs> if there's a somewhat touchdown regression, even like down to like 12 or 14, those receptions are going to keep him going, give him very consistent great points every week. So I think you have it in front of you, but who's the next group of guys after this? I'm assuming it's – there are a lot of different opinions, but I'm assuming it's a mixture of like – Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler. Like, what does it say, Evan? Well, on, like, the ADP4 now, it says it's seven Kelsey, then Tyreek, then Chubb, then Zeke, then Hawkins, and Aaron Jones to finish it out. But you could argue any of, like, maybe 10, 15 guys to be in this list. I think you could argue Josh Jacobs. You can argue Jonathan Taylor. You can I'm argue- not going to argue Josh Jacobs, but I will argue for Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Nick Chubb is in at nine. I think Nick Chubb oh, okay. out of- other than those six guys we talked about, I would probably take Nick Chubb at seven. Nick Chubb and Tyreek Hill at seven and eight. I would either one of the ways. It's just what you think about for your own draft strategy. I think those guys are, in my opinion, are the clear seven and eight. Because when Nick Chubb was healthy, I think this year he was maybe second or third best in points per game at, for, at the running back position. He was Especially a beast this year. Especially if Kareem Hunt leaves. Oh, my goodness. If Kareem yeah, Hunt is gone, Hunt that would. There, even with Kareem Hunt, he was, yeah. He was a stud this year. So, I think there was even with the small injuries – I think he could be a top three fantasy running back next year, and he could surprise some people. And Tyreek Hill's Tyreek Hill. You oh, know yeah, he definitely be. could. I mean, I think this also goes into how much you like running back versus, okay, I'm just going to draft the pure best player on the board. Because we can't ignore Tyreek Hill's season last year. If anyone— oh, yeah. Or, I mean, this year. I mean, if anyone who has listened to me, I said that Tyreek Hill was somewhere to beware of going into the season, and it was for good reason. He was a wide receiver, too. So this was the year before uh, this year. This was 2019. Um, He was a top 24 wide receiver in a given week, only 44% of his games. This was a guy that you drafted at the end of the first round, and he was only giving you top 24 wide receiver production for that week less than half the time that is a terrible stat especially for other guys like Devontae Adams and at that time Michael Thomas who would give you top 24 a hundred percent of the time so I just didn't like it but this year which surprised I think both of us but you were you didn't hate Tyreek Hill as much as I did um how consistent he was every single game he was getting a good amount of receptions and on top of that he was continuing with his touchdowns so I'm not sure if I'm willing to take you know, I'm looking at this next group. I'm not sure if I'm willing to take a guy like, you know, maybe I'll take Nick Chubb over Tyreek Hill. But I'm not sure if I'm willing to take even Ezekiel Elliott or yeah, Jonathan there, Taylor there or Austin there. Eckler. What about a guy like Travis Kelsey? Because when you're looking at positional value, he's got to be number one. He's the number one fantasy tight end every single year. Oh, I love you're Kelsey. In, you're out. So he's a great player. And in this range, like, if you're looking for a quality player and you know when you're picking him, you're going to get the number one tight end in fantasy. Literally, would you take him over Kyle Tyreek? Personally, I would take him maybe a spot or two below him, but would you consider him? I would take, just because of the explosiveness at the position and the what. I mean, we, we, we participate in a league where you get extra points for long plays, but just even, even in normal scoring, those long plays really just give such boost to your team scoring, even besides that one week where he had, like, almost 300 receiving yards and he had, like, three touchdowns or something. 
I'm not sure. Because the thing is, Kelsey has no flaws. I mean, what? Great team, great production. Great, great quarterback. I mean, what? You may think, okay, listen, he just broke the record for tight end receiving yards in a season. You know, he's probably going to regress. And you know what? He may regress a little bit. But even if he does, he's still worth the value of a late first-round pick, even up to a mid-first-round pick. Some people cite, hey, look, he's getting up there in Asia a little bit now. But you have to realize, tight ends peak later in their careers. They're not like running backs where they get their value during their first and their second contract. Second contract meaning the big one, the non-rookie contract. So, like, you have to realize they peak later. And so Kelsey literally has no flaws besides a freak injury. He hasn't gotten hurt since 2013, his rookie season. Like, I would take Hill over Kelsey, but honestly, it's really close. But I think I would take Chubb over both of them. I think we agree yeah, on I that, right? Yeah, I think we agree on that. And let's go into a guy like Jonathan Taylor. There's been very mixed feelings about him coming into this year, after this year. And even right now, I saw he was the number, I think, four or five on CBS mock draft, which is early. In Dynasty, maybe that's a bit better, but that's very early. And Jonathan Taylor's a player that started to come on at the end of the season. He had some really big games. I think he had a 200-yard game in the last game of the season. And he had a pretty solid playoff performance, but where do you think of a guy like Jonathan Taylor coming in? Would you put him in a similar range as Kelsey? Like, with him and Kelsey, would you take the upside of a Jonathan Taylor who could have a top three, top five face around much easier to take the consistency of Kelsey? Well, I'm assuming at this point you're drafting the late first round. Yeah, probably around like 10, 11. He might go a bit earlier in some leagues. Some people are very, very, very high on him. It depends what's on the board. If I look at the running backs, and this is something that all of you need to do personally. If you look at the running backs and you basically decide, listen, Jonathan Taylor's pretty much at the top of my list here, and I like him way better than every other running back there then you take him without a doubt, without even considering Kelsey. But if you like Jonathan Taylor or you're iffy about him, and there's a bunch of other running backs at the position that you could take around the turn at the very beginning of the second round, because mind you, we're talking about like 10, 11, 12. Like if you're going to get a guy that you still really like about the same and you feel confident about, then you may as well just take the safety in Kelsey. But if you have Jonathan Taylor way above everyone else, then I think you go with Jonathan Taylor. But I have a question for you. So let's assume that the, is Jordan Wilkins gonna walk in free agency or is he still on his rookie contract? Um, I'm not sure he's gonna walk, but he got less and less utilized throughout the okay. season. I'm not. Okay. So let's assume that him. let's assume that Naeem Hines is still there to catch passes. Yeah. And let's assume that Dak Prescott gets his contract. He comes back to the Cowboys. Would you rather take Ezekiel Elliott or Jonathan Taylor? And does it depend on the scoring format? Um, I don't know if it particularly depends on the scoring format because both of them are not the best pass catchers. They're both solid pass catchers. Nothing out of the ordinary. I think it more goes into what the Cowboys do this offseason. Of course, re-signing Dak, as you said, would be huge. But also, their offensive line has been pretty bad. There's been some injuries with their tackles. And their offensive line has been a major reason why Zeke hasn't produced. Also, Tony Pollard is trying to get more in the role in the offense. And because of Tony Pollard, I might have to go Jonathan Taylor slightly more because of the upside he has. But Zeke is Zeke Elliott. So you know what you're going to get. I think he's maybe... Actually, he could be risky because this season he didn't produce, but I'd probably take Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I'd take him. He's a younger player. The thing is, when Dak Prescott was in the game, Ezekiel Elliott was was on track to have a very solid fantasy football season, much worth a first-round draft pick. Maybe a few spots lower than where people were actually drafting him, but 
definitely worth a mid-round first round draft pick like ahead of yeah. even maybe Nick Chubb but like he's on a 100 million dollar contract do you think that that like impacts it at all in terms of Tony Pollard coming back into it because like Zeke is the established guy he's done it before I'm not saying that means he's going to do it again I'm just saying we've only seen Jonathan Taylor do it for a few games and there's still nine Hines there stealing passes and stuff and we don't even know who the Colts quarterback is going to be next season so like it just feels like if Dak Prescott signs, there's a lot more uncertainty with the Colts rather than the Cowboys. Even though the Cowboys just like aren't really going to do good anyway, they're still going to have an explosive offense that puts up a ton of points and a ton of yards for some reason. You know, they always get those garbage mm-hmm. yards. I, I do think it depends on the quarterback for the Colts. I'm hoping a guy like Matthew Stafford goes there or a guy like... I don't know, Sam Darn's more a developmental guy, but if they can get a really solid starting quarterback, that will help. And one thing we haven't talked about is their offensive line, which is arguably the best in the league, especially their guards. The Cowboys? Like are they still that good, though? Like, didn't no, they I'm deteriorate? About, I'm talking about the Colts. Oh, the, the Colts, Colts, yeah. The Col- oh, my great. goodness. The Colts have a great offensive line. So there are line. worries about Naheem Hines taking catches and um, even Marlon Mack coming back. I'm not sure if he has a contract and oh, if he's yeah. on the contract season. He, he is on contract season, but I'm not sure what happens if you opt. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't opt out. He got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah, no, no. He's a, he's a free sure. agent. I doubt that they'll sign him when they have Jonathan Taylor on the roster because he was drafted in the same year as Aaron Jones. That's how I remember. Yeah, so it's weird to say, but I think I might take – one reason I'd take Taylor is because of the offensive line. And normally the Cowboys offensive line was really, really, really great, and Zeke was really, really great with them. So I think Zeke will have a really solid year. It just – that John Taylor has that like upside that you might be looking for in drafts. And there's a bunch of rookie running backs that have that upside, and some may have consideration for late first. You could argue a James Robinson if they don't add any running backs. That's true, if they draft like Trevor Lawrence. Maybe argue, I don't think you can really argue many of the other rookies, but there's other young running backs you could also argue for that spot. Yeah. All right, and I think now we're going to talk about the second-year running backs because there are just so many of them, and I think we're going to skip Jonathan Taylor just because we've talked about him so much, and we also both agree that he's probably going to be the top second-year running back from this list, but let me just read off the rest of the list of valid second-year running backs. So there's Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Gaskin, and Cam Akers. So, like... I don't think we're going to do an official rankings list, but, like, Evan, who do you want to talk about next? Who do you think is going to do the next best, like, on this list of guys? So the, the player I really like and I'm the most, most enthusiastic about other than John Taylor has to be J.K. Dobbins. This year towards the end of the season, he was starting to get more and more and more carries and getting more and more and more integrated into this offense. And we saw that Mark Ingram got cut, I'm pretty sure. He did. And Gus Edwards has had a role, but not a huge role in this offense. Goal line. Yeah, he's been, he's been a solid boy guy, but J.K. Dobbins on those little flick passes towards the end of the end zone, get some touchdowns towards the end of the year. He's putting up really big numbers, and this offense is a run-heavy offense. You could say some of it's Lamar, but they're one of the top rushing offenses in the league. To have a very talented young running back in that role in one of the best, if not the best, run offenses in the whole league is very intriguing. I think he's going to have a huge year next year. So here's what I like to look at when I'm looking at running backs. I like to look at what are the rush attempts of that team and how many points is that team going to score? Because 
obviously, if a running back's on a team that runs the ball a lot and scores a lot of points, they're hence going to have a good season. Now, it doesn't exactly correlate 100% to a running back's fantasy value, but that's generally how it works. And I know a lot of the rush attempts of the Ravens are Lamar Jackson, but I look at the Ravens, and they're, like, what, top five in team points? They're number one in rushing attempts. I mean... They did kind of put up a dud game against the Bills. I get it. But they're due for a little bit of a bounce back anyway. And Dobbins just receives the ball well. He's elusive. They clearly like him and saw how well he was doing at the end of last year. And I just think when you're on a team that's that good, that runs the ball that much, it's just set up for really good. The next player I'm going to bring up, though, is Antonio Gibson. Because everyone's kind of like, what is the Washington football team? I mean, sometimes they play like a bottom feeder on the NFC East, but then sometimes they beat the – who did they beat late in the year? They beat like the Steelers. They almost beat the Buccaneers who are yeah, in the Super Bowl. they played a really like, tough game with Taylor Heineke at quarterback and some, exactly. against the Buccaneers. It yeah. was like – I like – Gibson next year just because I know McKissick is there for receptions and we don't exactly know who's even going to be that quarterback if it's going to be Alex Smith the game manager or they're going to draft one or they're going to trade for Matthew Stafford I have no clue but I just feel like he gets volume even though the team isn't that good and I think the team will improve next year they're probably gonna I they're kind of my favorites to win the NFC East next year yeah, I think Gibson is going to – I think he's going to have a really solid year next year. It's going to be really interesting who is the quarterback. And if there is a new quarterback, will it help his value or will it help his value to have a guy like Alex Smith who likes to dump it off and to give him the short reception? So, also with, like, J.D. McKissick in the back. But I don't think that will matter too much because I think Gibson is that guy. But I just don't know if his volume is going to be as high as some of the other guys are talking about later on the list. So it'll be really interesting to see where his volume is going to be at next year and how their offense is at next year as a whole. You know, one player that I think we can both agree on is going to take a step down is James Robinson. I mean, this was oh, yeah, the best to. way. I know he was rostered for week one and like, what, 70% of the league. So he's technically not a true waiver wire pickup, but in in the drafts that I was in, he wasn't drafted at all. Yeah. Other Jaguars I running backs I think a lot of the case was our drafter a bit early, so I actually drafted the guy who was supposed to be the starter at one point in time. Raquel Armstead, right? Yeah, it didn't turn out to be, but yeah. So I think some reason he wasn't drafted was because no one knew who was going to be that guy. You know, James Robinson was explosive. You know, he got the receptions. He got the nice Leonard Fournette role. So even though the team wasn't really that good, you know, not that good. They have the first overall pick this year. Of course, they were not that good. Yeah, one way. But, I mean, they kept close with some teams, and they had a competent enough offense. But I just feel like he's bound to take a step back after this year because we just have no clue what the offense is going to look like. Are they going to draft Trevor Lawrence? How much does Trevor Lawrence pass? How much does Trevor Lawrence pass to the running backs? I think backs? he actually passed the running back a decent amount. One of the top running backs oh. in the draft, Travis Etienne, is a receiving back. Got a decent amount of volume for Lawrence. So, I think he does pass to his running backs, but he also is a strong on quarterback. So, at the next level, who knows? I'm just worried about the natural regression. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it's not a valid thing to say, but I just feel like it's so anticipated. Like, this happens with running backs all the time. They'll either have a slow start, and then they explode in their second year, or they have an explosive first year, and then they just flail in their sophomore season. This happens with quarterbacks, too, I feel like. I don't know. I just feel like he's going to be drafted too high for his value. But if he starts slipping in the draft, of course I'll eat him up. Also, wasn't he like a sixth or seventh round pick in the draft? He was not. He was undrafted, I think. He was literally undrafted. I think my main scare for James Robinson, which we'll probably know by the time all of you guys are going to be drafting, is 
are they going to pick up someone in free agency and are they going to draft someone else? Because they have a lot of money and the Jaguars are going to be one of the top free agent destinations for some of the big players. And with James Robinson being undrafted, it's not like you took a really high pick on this guy. So they might be willing to go into a committee or get another really solid running back to pair him with. And that scares me a bit. And I think the volume can only really go down from this year. But if they don't get another guy, I think you got to scoop him mid-second, early, maybe late-second, around that range. A guy that I really liked going into next year until we heard the news that Matthew Stafford wants to be traded is DeAndre Swift. I mean, Adrian Peterson's going to be gone. He's the starting running back for the Detroit Lions. He catches the ball really well. I know he dropped a pass in week one, which lost the game versus the Bears, which if he had caught, they would have won because it was as time was expiring. But... Or maybe it was with a few seconds left, I forgot. But the point is, he receives the ball well. He, you know, runs pretty well. He's the starting running back. I mean, he was bound to have a good year, despite Detroit, you know, mm-hmm. Detroit's mediocrity, which mostly falls on their defense anyway. But I just, out of this second-year class and the, some of the other guys we're going to name, I just got to move him so far down my list. Like, re- that news about not having Matthew Stafford next year, probably not confirmed, really, really hurts. And when you think about it, it's not just Matthew Stafford. Their top two receivers are free agents next year with Kenny Gallon and Marvin Jones both being free agents. This offense could be pretty bad. And defenses could maybe even stack the line against a guy like Swift. So even if he's very talented, their offensive line isn't the best. And if the defenses can focus on Swift being the main guy, I don't see his upside being as high as some of the other guys we're talking about. But like Andrew said, he has the talent. So he could have a really good season. I just think that the odds are stacked against him. You know, I think we need to stop finally hoping for the resurgence of, like, a Jamal Charles-type season for a running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm at fault for this, too. When I see that Patrick Mahomes picked out a guy for the Chiefs to draft, he said, I want him. The Chiefs picked him, and he's elusive, you know, catches passes. I mean, literally, we could just only imagine what the potential he had for this Chiefs offense. And he was pretty much a dud. He was held up fantasy value-wise. I think he was the number 13 overall running back just because his team is good and scores points. Like, that's literally it. And so, compared to the other running backs on this list, he just doesn't get the volume. I mean, Damian Williams is back. I'm not sure how much they're going to use him, but they're still going to use him. I'm assuming they'll let Le'Veon Bell walk. Um... I just have zero clue what this backfield is going to look like, and they're never committed enough to give one guy enough production. It's like the old Patriots backfields of the day when they had LeGarrette Blunt, Rex Burkhead, James White, Deion Lewis. I'm just going through a list of guys. It's just like they cannot commit to giving the ball to anyone. I'm dropping him pretty far down. Yeah, I agree with what Andrew was saying about how this year the production was down. They used more of a committee than they should have with a talented rookie running back that they picked in the first round that they did. But I do think some people are overacting slightly about CH. A lot of people forget he was a rookie running back. And for the people drafting him, and I was on a decent amount of the hype train, I didn't pick him that many leagues. But for the people picking him like late first, he's, he's a rookie. And when you look into it, yes, his season was disappointing. But for a rookie running back, that wasn't that bad of a season. I think for the people saying that he's just going to be a fine running back, he's not going to be that great of a running back, he was a rookie this year. You have to remember that he's bound to improve. So once he improves, hopefully Andy Reid can implement him in the offense. 
I'm not going to be picking him too early in drafts, but I have a feeling throughout the fantasy season, he could be slipping and slipping farther and farther down boards because of overreactions from a rookie season. And you can maybe, if you can maybe swoop him up pretty late, that could be a great value pick. Oh, that could be totally true. You know, Cam Akers, I want to love him. I mean, he's poised for a breakout. We saw what Todd Gurley did in the offense. You know, it's still Sean McVay running the show there. Um... But that offensive line is bottom three in the NFL. That offensive line is terrible. Oh, my goodness. It was when Todd Gurley had, like, his touchdowns and his breakout fantasy seasons. You have to remember the Rams had a top five offensive line in the league. Right now they have a bottom five offensive line in the league. And that does not fare well for running backs, especially when they bring in, like, Daryl Henderson. And who's the other guy that they Malcolm bring in Brown, sometimes? Malcolm Graham. They didn't use him too like, much. I know. It's it's kind of like the situation. Now, I'm not, I don't want to compare situations, but, like, the situation with Jonathan Taylor with Indianapolis. Like, there are two other guys there that they kind of use, but then later on in the season they really get the show going. So I feel like Cam Akers is going to have a pretty good fantasy season depending on where he's especially where he's going to get drafted kind of depends on where I'll draft him because it's like I'm not sure if I want to spend like a second or third round pick on him but you know if he's there in like the four five six range you know that's a better value the offensive line still worries me though I want a little bit of assurance there I think Cam Akers is one of those guys we don't know where he's going to be drafted yet. We don't know the real ADP yet. He could be either very overdrafted or very underdrafted. People can either either overact and call the Rams offense a committee, even though he was the main running back towards the end of the season and performed very well as the main running back in that offense. And then he could get overdrafted because of his late performances and his playoff performance. So it wasn't the best of playoff performances, but he was very solid throughout those first two games. He was a very solid running back. So I think there is volume to be there. The running back is a bit scary, but the fact that their offense is ran through play action, I think helps the running back. That the fact that they have to be a bit worried about it being a play action, a bootleg, whatever that Rams offense or Sean McVay does, I think that will help out Cam Akers. So I think he could be a great value pick, but I he could also be very overdrafted in fantasy leagues as well. There's one more running back, and it's Miles Gaskin. I think Miles Gaskin might get a little overdrafted just because I think he's the guy that excited people a lot last year. You know, he was on a team that was unexpectedly good, you know, the Miami Dolphins, and he was picked up off the waiver wire. I mean, people spent zero draft capital on this man, and they got huge returns on their investment, and they're going to reward him by drafting him way too high. We don't know what the backfield is going to look like next year. We don't know if they're going to bring someone in. We don't even know what the offense is going to look like. People say that Tua was terrible. So now I just think that there's a couple things at play. It might get a little bit more clear to the season, and maybe they'll come out and say, listen, we're going to give the ball to him a lot. He's clearly our starting guy. If then, okay, then he'll be a decent pick. But as of right now, there's so much uncertainty that I would stay away from him. Yeah, throughout this year, I really like Miles Gaskin. I picked him up in one of my leagues. But, it's a really big but, I could see them drafting a running back like a Najee Harris or like a Travis Etienne in the draft, which would absolutely plummet his stock. But if he is the guy, there's going to be guys like Salvin Ahmed, Matt Breida might still be in that offense. But if he is the guy and they use their picks otherwise, because you can't forget, they do have pick number three and pick number 18, which could be used to either improve one, their wide receivers, or two, their offensive line. There's very talented players of both. So in addition to that, instead of the running back position, could really help a stock, and he could be a really solid running back, too, for next season. 
So what are the second-year wide receivers looking like? There's, what, Justin Jefferson? There's there's a, there's a lot of solid ones. Who knows? Like a C.D. Lamb, a Jerry Judy, a C. Henry Lamb, Ruggs, Jerry T. Judy. Higgins. Okay. Like, there, there's, there's lots of guys there. And a lot of them are kind of clumped into the same tier of what it, are they going to be the main guy in their offense? Who knows? So I think a lot goes down to who's around them in their, in their offenses. Justin Jefferson's interesting because I keep on flip-flopping between I think this guy is going to be way overdrafted and this guy might be a huge steal. I think people aren't really going to know. There's going to be that one weird guy in your league that just drafts him way too high, but unless that happens, he's probably going to find a pretty median happy value. Uh, I think a lot of his production, you know, Dalvin Cook still dominates the offense, so I think a lot of his production comes from these big plays, but it's like he gets them. He gets the big plays, and he does it pretty consistently, and he builds pretty consistent fantasy production, especially on the second half of the season when he really emerged and really fell into his role. That's what happened. So, I mean, what what is it going to be, like late second, early third for Justin Jefferson, you think? I think he might go more in the late third. Late third. Or mid. Not mid fourth. Oh, my goodness. That would be so late. The late second or mid second, I think. Okay. The main question is going to be, will he do fine with with the – Cornerback one on him, I think, for a lot of the season, Adam Thielen was still garnering the number one corner on each of the team. So if he's that's going true. against guys like more like a Kyle Fuller, especially Jair, Jair Alexander, Alexander. Oh, my goodness. He has, if he has you, to go against Jair that's Alexander. That's pretty tough Oof. matchups for him. And Kirk Cousins, I don't know if he will, but he could result to passing more to, at the time, what you could consider the wide receiver, too, even though Adam Thielen's a great wide receiver. He might be getting a team of more receptions with worse corners on him. So that is still in question, but... Justin Jefferson could come at great value. He had probably one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons of maybe all time. He could be a great pick. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that. If he has to play Kyle Fuller and Jair Alexander for four games out of the year, and plus the rest of the schedule could bring in other possible number one quarterbacks, that could tank his value. It feels like whenever it was Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, I mean, both put up pretty good production at the same time, but it felt like the other one would flourish, like whichever one was not being guarded by the number one corner. Oh, yeah, so like one of them know? had a great season, the other one the next season had a great season. Yeah, kind of flip-flop it, it was also flip-flop between who would start in the slot. Like, for example, Stephon Diggs started in the slot, and then Adam Thielen came in, stole the slot from him, and then Thielen was having better seasons than Stephon Diggs. But then all of a sudden, Thielen was garnering number one coverage. So I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. One guy out of this class that I think is going to be good, T. Higgins. Oh, I, mean, I agree 100%. Oh, my goodness. I feel like that Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver core is just like, pick who you want. Now, A.J. Green's old. Don't pick him. John Ross can't run a route. Don't pick him. I'm talking about like so Tyler Boyd. I'm talking about like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Both are talented. Burrow likes to throw to both of them. T. Higgins should develop this next year. I mean, we don't know when Burrow's going to recover from the ACL, and that might impact it a little bit because who knows? Maybe he misses week one or misses part of training camp at the very least. But, like, T. Higgins should definitely have a pretty good year. I'm looking at the rest of these guys, you know? Yeah, from what I've heard, I think Joe Burrow's going to be back around week one or two. I could be wrong. That's just from the information that I have. And T. Higgins, with Joe Burrow as a quarterback, was I think he was probably the best rookie wide receiver for that period of time that they're healthy. I'm not 100% sure if that was Maybe true. Maybe it was still Jefferson, but either way, he was a clear number two. He was a clear number two, if not the number one. And if you're going to be stacking two two different players, like a quarterback wide receiver duo that are not going to be overdrafted because there are some question marks probably about Burrow's injury, I think a Burrow-T Higgins stack could be detrimental and could be, for, could be 
could help you have a very, very great season. Oh, yeah, you could draft Burrow late. I mean, he, he I mean, Like as an wow. early quarterback, too, maybe? No, I late think he'd be one. a late quarterback one. I think he's still going to be a top 12 quarterback oh, I think he drafted. will be. I just don't know if he'll be drafted like that. I think he could be like a mid-quarterback one. Oh, no, 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 yeah, I'm talking about draft. I think he'll be drafted as a late quarterback one, though, towards the, like, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then Higgins, you probably get in, like, the sixth round or something. I don't know. I'm just spitballing a number here. Um, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is so hard because he is so talented. And mind you, I'm a Packers fan. I watch Devontae Adams route running every single game. And Jerry Judy is legit in terms of route running. The issue is Cortland Sutton's going to be back. And is Drew Locke a competent quarterback? What is the offense going to look like next year? The Broncos just kind of seem to be in dismay in terms of what their team even looks like. So does Judy's pure, amazing talent just trump the fact that Corlin Sutton's there and Drew Locke isn't really a good quarterback? I think, once again, it does depend on where he gets drafted. I I love Jerry Judy. If you've watched any of our videos, you know I was Jerry Judy's biggest fan. I called him the best route running wide receiver of the draft in years. Like, I think I'm going to say like a decade. You said Julio Jones. So I think he's the best route runner. Or did I say the best rookie wide receiver? Uh, maybe he was stretching a bit. Something. Talent-wise. And he didn't perform as well as, as a rookie because of his it hands. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his I mean, fault. It was, he his was hands amazing. do have to improve. But also, a guy like Devontae Adams, like you talked about, his hands weren't great as a rookie. That's and true. And Jerry Judy, you could see him. He he was breaking people's ankles. He was wide open in passes that Drew Locke either missed or just overthrew. So, I think he has upside to have a great season. I think he will have a solid season. I just don't think you draft him as high as a... T. Higgins or any of those top wide receivers. And one guy that I have to bring up as a Bears fan, just as a fan of football, is Darnell Mooney. He's he's a certified beast. He's a great route runner. He's got great speed. He's got over-the-top ability. He can get up and grab balls, as we saw against the Packers, and we saw several other weeks. We could saw he can get up, get over the corner, and grab some balls. And then we also have a guy like Allen Robinson who might leave in the offseason. And if he does leave, Darnold Mooney is going to be that wide receiver one. So you got to look at him to be a major sleeper. Darnold Mooney, the issue is, one, if Robinson leaves and he gets number one coverage, they don't have a second guy that can really garner enough coverage. Like, they would just smother Mooney with a second cornerback and basically just be like, screw you, Bears. Also, if Trubisky and Foles is quarterback, I, I mean, I'll draft Mooney as a very, very late sleeper, but, like, if Trubisky or Foles is the quarterback, I'm not going to count on consistent fantasy production from Mooney. I really cannot expect that. Versus if they can actually get a competent quarterback or maybe somehow trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't know. If they were to get an actually talented quarterback, I would love Mooney as a sleeper. So I think the quarterback depends on a lot of it. Also, if Mooney was that good and like Jair Alexander was covering him, like really? Well, there were moments. I'm not going to say he's going to do it consistently, but Jalen Ramsey was guarding Darnold Mooney, and he made some great that's routes. True. He busted, um, he busted Ramsey's Jalen Ramsey once. Overrated, but he's yeah, a yeah, overrated, but still, that's what Mo- I'm saying. Mooney's talented, yes, I agree. Mooney's very talented. Also, I think we could draft a wide receiver as number two, but also just having the volume as wide receiver one, and with his speed and just – they give him short passes, let him run. He grabs a lot of yards by that. So I think even if he is the wide receiver one, there's no one else there. There's going to be value. If you you could probably grab him pretty late rounds. People might draft like a guy like Anthony Miller over him. They just don't know that much about the Bears' offense. 
Um, C.D. Lamb, right? C.D. Lamb, what is going to happen with him? I mean, Michael Gallup seems to kind of be moving a little. I mean, all three wide receivers got, like, decent production. And with Dak Prescott back, it should be pretty clear that the talent of C.D. Lamb should overtake Michael Gallup if they have two wide receivers on the field at the same time. But it feels like their offense just kind of is, okay, we're going to have three wide receivers. We're going to have, like, Blake Jarwin or whatever tight end we have on the field. And we have Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. And we're just going to run an air raid type offense especially late in the game like CeeDee Lamb should be pretty good this year right yeah I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be pretty good this year I think also always is going to come down to Dak Prescott being the quarterback if he's healthy I think if Dak Prescott is healthy CeeDee Lamb is going to be a great wide receiver and a lot of people were arguing he was the most talented wide receiver coming to the draft a lot of people said he should be the first one drafted so while he was the third wide receiver drafted a lot of people really loved his talent, and that kind of showed the season. But he did have to play with Danucci and Andy Dalton for a lot of the season. So that we have to see what's to come when the, he has Dak Prescott healthy for a full season. And what do you think about Henry Ruggs? Um, Henry Ruggs is interesting. A lot of people always do the Tyreek Hill comparisons because he's fast. But with Henry Ruggs, I think he really needs to get himself a role of offense. I think there's 0% chance he's a number one because Darren Waller is that guy. And even the wide receiver, too, guys like Contra Renfro and Aguilar out, outplayed him this year. So I think I'm probably not going to trap drugs this season. It's a bit too risky. Maybe very, very late, but I think he's another wait-and-see guy. Maybe if he starts out decently slow, maybe trade for him for very low value. Or maybe he can be a waiver eye guy even next year if he doesn't perform right away. But I, don't, I wouldn't trust him this year. What do you think about... Is there another second-year wide receiver that I'm forgetting, or can we move on to second-year quarterbacks? Because that actually might be pretty fun. We, we can look to second-year quarterbacks. Okay, so the main ones that we're thinking of are Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Tua, if you can include him. We have oh, no Tua, yeah. You can include him. Is there another one that I'm missing, or is it just those four? Um, Those four are the only ones that are going to start unless... I don't know. Um, Rodgers isn't leaving. Um, hey, he says stuff the press interview, but he does that every year. He says the same thing every year at those press Rogers interviews. Rodgers always says that. I think he... He's, he's never happy. Listen, if All you, were the, if you, were, if you were the MVP of the league and you threw 48 touchdowns and only five interceptions and you lost in the NFC Championship game at home, I think you would be pretty mad, too. I'm surprised that he didn't swear at the media. I'm re- I really am. Or maybe he did. I didn't watch every single second of it because I kind of got the gist. They might have given him some of the some of the chill medication. Yeah, but out of this group, I mean, I think pe- most people are gonna say Herbert. But who do you think is gonna be the best one of this group? I would have to agree, with Herbert. I think he's just such a talented quarterback. He has all the you weapons. You picked him up and like. Yeah, I picked him up, not midseason, but I picked him up before his big game. Maybe like maybe one or two games after he was. I think maybe the game after he was a starter, and he he proved to be. A great quarterback. When you just look at his weapons, his talent, everything around him, Herbert's just going to be a great quarterback next year. And he might be overdrafted, but to get a guy of his caliber, you're going to need to draft him high. And, yeah, with Joe Burrow, as I said, he could be a good sleeper pick. And I think Tua, I'm going to have to ask you about him. He's probably the most, in my opinion, the most interesting second-year quarterback. Is he even draftable? For me, the most interesting one is Jalen Hurts. Ooh. I mean, because the thing is with Herbert, I, I picked him up in a league where we weren't in it together, and he was great for me. You know, no matter if they already signed a head coach, right? And listen, he's going to let yeah. Herbert do its thing because he does his thing. 
Herbert's like a part of a tier of quarterbacks that I really want next year. You know, like there's definitely a cutoff of like, wow, these guys, if you get them, you're going to have a pretty good season. And I don't know how to feel about Jalen Hurts. He gets the rushing yards. That's nice. But what happened when the coverage kind of not broke down what's the opposite of it like did really well and he really couldn't pass he couldn't, like, the ball the he couldn't utilize his weapons yeah maybe it's because he didn't get enough reps at passing or are they going to bring back Carson Wentz but for this sake of Jalen Hurts let's just assume that they trade Carson Wentz and that Jalen Hurts is the starter I think he could be a QB1 and I think he'll be drafted around that range but I'm not sure if I would reach on him. I'm not sure if he's, like, a must-have player for me. That's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, I'm probably going to no be weapons. staying away from Jalen Hurts if you are true about the quarterback, late quarterback won't die. No I don't weapons. think I will yeah. want to draft him there. Like you said, the weapons, are they're just not the best. Like, you have, you have Rieger, and you have, like, Fulgham. Yeah, Rieger like, could be good. How, like, how good are his Fulgham weapons? Fulgham was good for, like, four games Like, max. his weapons aren't great. Yes, they might draft one, but they also have lots of holes defensively. Miles Sanders was fine inconsistent. Boston Scott's also fine. I just don't think his weapons are the best. I'm still questioning how good of a NFL quarterback he's going to be himself. He didn't look very good towards some of the end-of-the-season games. I'm probably going to be staying away from him, but... He could have fine value if he really slips. I mean, we already talked about Burrow. You know, if he recovers from his ACL well, he's on track for the season. He's going to be drafted as a late quarterback one. He could finish even a little higher than that. He'd be a good value pick if you want to wait on quarterback this year. Um, You brought up Tua earlier. Like, is he worth a backup pick? Because he had, like, one or two games where he actually had good fantasy football value. But it feels like he's a game manager. I mean, is he worth... Like, if you can get him in, like, the 12th or 13th round just as a backup quarterback, or would you be better off getting someone else? Um, I do think Tua could be a great – let's say you pick a guy, like, not a Patrick Mahomes, that's probably going to be an overpick, but you get a great guy like a Josh Allen, a Herbert, uh, Sean Watson early in the draft. And when you pick those guys, there's no point of picking, like, a quarterback with not that high of a ceiling as your second quarterback. My strategy with quarterbacks is if I'm picking a really solid top quarterback, my second quarterback has to have upside. And upside is what Tua is going to have next year. He's going to have a really solid wide receiving corp with, well, depending on who they pick, they might pick a wide receiver like a Jamar Chase, a stud wide receiver early in the draft. And a lot of people were talking about how Tua just wasn't that good. I don't know if that's completely the case. He had a shortened offseason. He was injured. A lot of people didn't even think he was going to be able to play this year because of his injury, and he did, which was decently impressive. So I think Tua, going to his second year, I think he could be a steal with lots of upside. And compared to picking him over, I don't know an exact example, but like a quarterback, like, I don't know, I like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, but they'd be a bit earlier second round. I'm just trying to think of, like, a guy with not much upside. I think Tua would be a very, very solid upside pick really late. Yeah. So to wrap up the end of the episode and to thank all of you for listening through this long fantasy football episode way too early in the season, we're each going to give one player that's an early breakout candidate for the season. They're going to be drafted in different spots and they're breakout candidates for different reasons and they're from different positions. But Evan, go ahead. Who's your breakout candidate for fantasy football 2021? Okay, so my way too early breakout candidate will have to be LaVisca Chenault, the wide receiver for the Jaguars. So we already talked about it. The Jaguars are probably taking Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback. And with Trevor Lawrence and a new head coach, Urban Meyer, this offense could be electric next year. And electric is what LaVisca Chenault is also as a player. He's 
a very fast wide receiver. He's a good route runner. And he's everything you want in a really solid young wide receiver. We didn't talk about him earlier, but he is a second-year player. And I think he has a great chance to break out next year. All right, guys, that does it for this episode. See you next time from Casual Sports Fans.